All right, well, it's coming up on my time to get out of town, so let me go ahead and give you the last three songs. The song I just played was Come Back Down, the artist was home, and the album was Odyssey. Before that was Midnight City, artist M83, album Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. And then the song before that was Somewhere Only We Know, artist was Kean or Keen, and the album was Somewhere Only We Know. I am gazing to death. This has been a fantastic show. I can't wait to do it next week, 5 to 6.30. And I'm going to go ahead and pass it on over to Gray Matter. See you all. Have a good one. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Well, uh, good evening. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And obviously a very strange week indeed. You know, I'd just like to remind uh, listeners out there that a couple days before Donald Trump left on this uh, visit abroad, he... uh, he pardoned the two arsonists out in Oregon, you know, right-wing uh, Bureau of Land Management fanatic types. Yeah, that and, uh, hostile take armed takeover of uh, a nature. So, yeah, that, that whole story kind of disappeared after he got to uh, Brussels and began attacking the Allies and calling them foes and carrying on like a beast that he is. Uh, of course, in the honor of uh, Donald Trump's trip. Abroad. I'll read this limerick. It's handmade. Give Jim a chance to get a little uh, organized there. There once was a president who went to Helsinki without the companionship of Ryan Zinke. Um, Trump had a secret meeting with Putin, and then he came out tootin' and shootin'. The press conference ended up smelling very stinky. And that sums that up. And, of course, after he got back to the United States, he spent the last three or four days on this tirade to change the subject from, oh, he attacked the Fed. He went after Iran yesterday. He went after the, uh, well. Crooked Hillary. Crooked Hillary. Mueller. uh, He denounced Michael Cohen. Oh, there's a tape. Oh no, yeah, Glavin. Let's uh, let's hope that that tape is uh, not what we think it is. Uh, and, and and let's be you, you and I are aware of the fact that Nixon played to the tape machine at times. So we you, we got to regard this tape with a little bit of caution. Yeah, that's one potential reason why Michael Cohen might have been quote unquote secretly recording his boss. Uh, there is it's entirely plausible that it is uh, a structured performance a calculated maneuver sure to uh try to position you know in advance thinking oh well if we have this thing then this looks 
yeah, that, let's do that. And also, let's remember that uh, th- th- this Cohen case is different uh, from the Mueller investigation. This is actually a state of New York um, criminal investigation into uh, Hush, Hush, you know, the famous... Uh, Deep Purple. Well, song. Deep Purple did a great cover of it. I think uh, Neil Diamond might have originally written it. Right? I don't remember who did the original of that, but yeah, Deep Purple had the hit with their cover. I, I think it was Neil Diamond. A uh, incredible songwriter, by the way. He's not uh, <clears throat> uh, typical fare down here at WCBN, but uh, he's got some pretty amazing songs if you look up his catalog. And yeah, he's got that little... <laughs> Actually, Vegas his, his, his classic song, Solitary Man. Yeah. Might soon be used to accurately describe uh, the increasingly rudderless Donald Trump. Indeed. And, of course, uh, this is an interesting book that I read over a month ago, sort of detailing some of these connections. I'll just very briefly read some of these things from uh, David Frum. David Frum, a former speechwriter of George W. Bush, who works and writes for many of the conservative publications in Washington, like the Weekly Standard and whatnot. Uh, He notes that on the 9th of June, Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort met with Kremlin-connected lawyer Natali Vestalakaya. I may be butchering that name. On June 9th, Trump tweets for the first time about Clinton's 33,000 emails. Um, On the 21st of July, um, David Sanger and Maggie Haberman of the New York Times... Uh, do an interview where he repeatedly refuses to commit to defending NATO's Baltic states, Latvia, Lithuania, and the uh, Estonia against Russia. Uh, Incidentally, during the convention, the Trump campaign changed the platform, the Republican platform, to ensure that it didn't call for giving weapons to the Ukraine to fight Russian and rebel forces. And this, of course, was yet another splashy Donald Trump headline. Nobody's been tougher on Russia. So what does he do? I think it was Thursday. He makes this sort of strange pledge of uh, sending $200 million to the Ukrainian government. What does any of that mean? I have no idea. And for somebody to actually sit there with a straight face and say no one's been tougher on Russia when he had to be compelled by an act of Congress to enforce the sanctions sure. that had already been mandated. So, and that's of course, not strong. He objected to the, um, <clears throat> the the congressional vote, but it was so overwhelmingly um, in favor of the sanctions, he had no choice. They just simply would have overridden a Trump veto. Uh, he could have vetoed the bill. You know, one of the famous. Uh, Vetoes, a couple of the two most famous vetoes in American history that were overridden. Uh, The Taft-Hartley Act uh, was a bill that Harry Truman vetoed. That's a kind of a right-to-work legislation in the late 40s. That was overridden. So Truman stood up for the principle, knowing that it would be overridden. And, of course, Ronald Reagan um, had... uh, Sanctions against South Africa overridden. He he vetoed uh, numerous sanctions against South Africa, but by the mid-80s, Congress had enough votes to know uh, that the apartheid government of South Africa 
had to go, <laughs> one way or another. And, of course, sanctions are a mixed... Uh, uh, they have mixed effectiveness. You know, let's remember that Russia is what? You dedicated a song to me a couple weeks ago? Time zones? <laughs> Eleven. 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 Eleven time zones. That's ridiculous. Of course, it's still got ten. And I don't know if you heard the news over the weekend. Uh, Russia um, is shipping natural gas through the um, north... Northern Passage to uh, China now. Uh, there was a U.N. vote over the week, this past week, where Nikki Haley was pursuing something. And China, I think it was related to something to do with Syria. And China and Russia voted no in the United, Secu in the, uh, United Nations Security Council. So I don't know what Trump uh, talked about uh, with Putin. Nobody does. That's one of the big problems, right? And, of course, how does he bail his, his problems out? He invites Putin to Washington. Says, oh. Sleep over at the White House. Like three months later, what on earth are, do they need to talk about again? I don't know. Maybe they re need to <clears throat> review what they talked about the first time. But, of course, there's one part of me that suspects that this hasty and apparently spontaneous invite is really more about his reaction to the reaction of his obeisance to sure. Putin. Mm -hmm. That, oh, this this pissed you off? Well, I'm going to invite him over for a sleepover. What do you think about that? I'm going to get really tough. Yeah. And, uh, and you kind of wonder why Putin is even accepting it. I mean, he's already... He's got to be laughing his I ass I mean, he's off. got, he's got uh, mission accomplished. And, of course, over the weekend, we've got uh, the, the unusually perfect name of Pecker. David Pecker. It's not Bond. Well, that's the Inquirer. James Bond. Publisher, right? It's, it's Pecker in, in the sex scandal case. Right. <laughs> I was like, can you make this stuff up? Uh, he's the one, by the way, that paid uh, Karen McDougal. Uh, I think was her name. Yeah, the Playboy uh, bunny uh, lady, um, who was also promised uh, a writing gig by Mr. Pecker uh, as part of the deal to allow her story to be folded under. Killed. Well, yeah. In other words, it was a purchase with a non-disclosure agreement where uh, the publisher of the National Enquirer agreed, uh, we're going to just kill this story until after the election. And that's part of what the the Cohen probe is all about. Uh, so well, well, there's potential FEC violations there, uh, yeah. for sure. It, it's, it, it's starting to look like these some of the campaign uh, issues are beginning to pile up on Trump. Trump at the news conference, of course, with, uh, with Putin. Um, you know, when you read the transcript that's actually published uh, in... Uh, Thursday's uh, New York Times with the Trump says he got only one word wrong. We invite you <laughs> to read the president's remarks and decide for yourself. It's pretty revealing. I mean, Trump is he's obsessed with the election. This is where he goes into where's the server? Where are those emails? Why, why didn't the FBI grab the server? Kind of My like, experts tell me it was Russia. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. There's a lot of people out there. And there's wood. There's wouldn't. Uh, yeah, that whole thing is is one of the lamest attempts yeah. at an explanation I've ever heard. And 
I taught high school for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially when you read it in the context of what he was talking about uh, at the time where he answered the question. Another thing that's really interesting is at one point Putin is asked a question. I don't know what uh, news organization asked this question, but uh, do you have anything on Trump or his family? Yeah. Well, he goes, could, if I could follow up, he's the reporters asking Putin for President Putin. He prefaces the uh, question. Why should Americans and why should uh, President Trump um, believe your statement that Russia did not interfere in the 2016 election? Trump interrupts here and decides to answer the question himself, which, you know, and then he goes into a tirade about the server and I won the election fair and square, clean. He calls, the you know, the cleanest campaign of all time. As Manafort sits in his cell. It's remarkable. Uh, and as for Carter Page, he was back in the news this weekend. Um, they leaked... Uh, FBI documents regarding the FISA. The FISA requests to renew uh, an ongoing investigation into the unusual and noteworthy uh, points of contact between Carter Page and agents of Russia, including his open boasts that, yeah, I've been an advisor to uh, members of the Kremlin. And by the way, the FISA, the original FISA laws that were created were created in the late 70s uh, in response to shenanigans by the CIA and the FBI. Abuses. Abuses, Abuses. yeah. And what this does, by the way, is it allows judges to examine the evidence. It's only about a probable cause issue. It's got nothing to do with whether or not Carter Page had a lawyer present, present. There. He has yet to be charged with any crime. He has yet to be charged. And the issue, of course, was uh, he came to the attention, and I'll just summarize this, uh, to the uh, of American intelligence in July of 2013. The Republican defenders of Donald Trump are just simply incorrect that, uh, that this dossier, the Christopher Steele dossier, was the whole kibit and yeah. caboodle. Yeah, their obsession with debunking the dossier... Uh, most of which has been proven to be grounded in actual reality, uh, knows no limits or bounds. I mean, the very fact that they have pressed to have secret documents like this revealed uh, shows the desperation at play here. The, the fact that it ultimately reveals their arguments to be incorrect, essentially wrong in almost every possible interpretation, doesn't even seem to phase them. And Trump, just for the record, he announced to the Washington Post in March of 2016 that one of his top foreign policy advisors was Carter Page. And everybody was kind of like looking around going, who? Who? Who's he? Well, it turned out the FBI had gone to the FISA court uh, with, quote unquote, probable cause to start monitoring his movements and phone calls. Carter Page was called a Russophile who... Uh, was connected with various uh, shady oligarchs, a lot of European meetings. Yeah, and it's interesting to note, this is not something that comes up in any Fox News uh, analysis of Carter Page's activities, that actual language in Russian documents 
categorize Carter Page as, quote, a useful idiot. Right. And and I uh, and one of the other amusing characterizations of him was wackadoodle, <laughs> which I think is a good description of uh, our 45th president. Trump hired uh, Page, according to Timothy Snyder, because he was unabashedly pro-Russian. Now, he withdrew from the campaign um, after it leaked out that, that, hmm, there may be some question marks about this guy on Trump's top foreign policy teams. In other words, he was part of the collateral damage of Paul Manafort uh, resigning from the campaign. And let's remember, Steve Bannon took over, you know, Bannon, Cannon, Bannon, and... Trump's problem here is this is not, at this point, just Mueller. The British government is looking in to connections between Putin and influencing the Brexit vote. Well, in his uh, insistence, through his own ridiculous tweets and his spokes mouth, uh, Sarah Chuckabee Sanders, as I like to call her, uh, is simply that the, the press is obsessed with the Russia thing. Most Americans don't care about the whole Russia thing. It's a fraud. It's a hoax. Blah, blah, blah. But it's clown pants who tweets about it incessantly. Constantly. So, of course, the media has to respond to those. These are presidential blatherings. And, of course, you know, he repeatedly has the no collusion claim. The witch hunt, the total witch hunt. It's, it's, it's either the witch hunt or the total witch hunt. And it seems to me that there are legitimate uh, issues that still need to be invested, investigated. And by the way, Nick Farage apparently vi- visited um, Julian Assange repeatedly at the Ecuadorian uh, embassy on the run-up to the election, uh, the American election. Assange, of course, was leaking uh, information uh, from uh, his Russian sources, so to speak. Let's remember that on the 7th of October, this is an amazing date in American history. And once again, I'm quoting here from uh, David Frum's uh, book, Trumpocracy, a very interesting book worth reading. On the 7th of October 2016, the Department of Homeland Security and the Director of National Intelligence release a statement directly saying that Russia is interfering in the 2016 election. The Washington Post, on the same day, reports the Access Hollywood video. WikiLeaks begins releasing emails stolen from Clinton's campaign chair, John Podesta, less than one hour after the Washington Post report. Now, I saw David Farenthold give a talk uh, at uh, the University of Michigan uh, this past autumn, and he noted that they had posted this on the Internet before it was actually printed up as a story. Nothing new there. This is how the news business is operating. So in response to this post, obviously Julian Assange uh, got to work. And who was one of the first people that Donald Trump met after he surprisingly, quote unquote, won the election? An election, by the way, that he keeps saying Hillary Clinton should have won. He said that very thing when he stood right next to Putsi. Like, like, why would anybody who's president keep making that claim? Uh, we know that Hillary Clinton lost the election for 
25 different reasons. At least. Um, you know, and this, of course, by the way, is one of the reasons that the Russian investigation is not the whole kibit and caboodle. It's a portion of the story as to why Hillary Clinton lost. But disinformation, misinformation, the use of social media to uh, confuse people and brainwash them and create these, uh, you know, fake the puppies and the rainbow people and the gun people and, hmm, and they've even got a Mata Hari that's uh, under arrest. What's her name? Butina? Butiana? Yeah, it's like bu- Butina. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Putin, Butin. This is getting a little kind of spooky here with the, these similarities. Of course, Trump on the campaign trail after WikiLeaks uh, released this information on two or three occasions said, I love WikiLeaks. I love reading those WikiLeaks, he said from Ohio. Uh, WikiLeaks is like a treasure trove, uh, Donald Trump said on the 31st of October. This is; These are why there are connections there. The, you know, and let's remember Trump advertised, Russia, if you're listening, where's the server? Where are the emails? And, of course, his press conference had all of this kind of cane mutiny thing about who ate the strawberries. You know, Humphrey Bogart's, uh, one of Humphrey Bogart's last mo- movies. There's something not quite right there. And damage for Trump? A little bit of damage. Um, he's probably slipped three or four points within the Republican Party, but most of the Republicans are approving of his appearance in Helsinki. Well, it's worth mentioning quickly here, just uh, <clears throat> with the art fair in town last week, you get the uh, lineup of nonprofit booths on Liberty Street. And that's actually personally my favorite part of the art fair, different political groups, uh, you know, community involvement groups, charities and so forth. And uh, since I collect pins and buttons, you know, lapel pins, uh, I'm always looking for new Nixon pins. Or sure. Stopping by the Republican booth is always something to do if you're looking to collect a Nixon pin, and I've had some amusing banter over the years. This year, with the art fair falling uh, directly after the bizarre performance in Helsinki, uh, pretty much each day I passed it, I made a point of asking, <laughs> so, where's the, uh, you, you got the MAGA hats, where's the Putin hats? <laughs> For the first three days of the fair, the volunteers holding that booth down, probably taking a lot of ribbing uh, throughout the course of their day as volunteers, no doubt, seemed embarrassed, baffled, uh, and, at uh, you know, totally tongue-tied with what to say about how the whole Helsinki thing went down on the Saturday made a point to uh, budget some time to have an actual just a conversation with one of the volunteers there and asked him a couple of simple questions. Is this guy killing the Republican Party? Because to my mind, he's driving out moderates. uh, He's driving out so-called establishment Republicans. It's a party with a shrinking base anyway. Um, Some of whom are uh, openly racist. So it's a weird base for the entire Republican Party to feel so afraid of and chained to. Uh, Everybody knows elections are won in the middle 
of the spectrum, not on either side, left or right. That's why primaries tend to appeal to the sort of further fringe elements sure. of each individual party. And then in the general election, it sort of pulls back towards the center. This guy seemed completely just disregarded. Oh, no, the whole Russia thing. That's a fraud. That's, you know, nothing will come of that. Um I feel safer now that he's talked to Putin. Um, Russia's not going to bomb us now. Well, I don't think bombing us was on uh, Putin's agenda. No. Uh, They already uh, attacked our very democratic process by which we continue to try to function as a democracy. Not a concern at all for this gentleman. Uh, Just completely focused on, yeah, uh, he's doing the right things. And even there, that's a big, big question mark, because obviously the impact of these tariffs has yet to be seen, has yet to be seen. You know, when it's 34 billion like it was the first week, big deal. That's, you know, that's some peripheral uh, goods and goods and services there and there. But when you're talking about 200 billion and, of course, Trump over the weekend had this tough talk. Well, they saw our 50 and I'm raising them 200. You know, it was like poker talk. It was it was bizarre. It's like, oh, I didn't I didn't know Trump could play poker. Um, well, if he's as good at poker as he is at negotiating the art of the deal, then he's he's a poor card player. <laughs> he's a poor card player. And you just don't know where this is going. You know, one of the more interesting um, stories uh, recently was about the rare earth elements um, that are supplied almost exclusively uh, by China and Australia. And these are not—you you can't just go out and find these things in the middle of uh, Arkansas <laughs> or uh, can't go out on one of them duck boats, <laughs> pontoon pontoon boats, you know. This is this is really complicated uh, mining that goes on to to come up with these uh, rare earth elements. And, and it's, he, an, the, it's another example of how the economy is intertwined and global. And sure. despite all the rhetoric in the world, that old way of looking at the economy is completely archaic. And let's remember, by the way, that America's understanding of Chinese history is is awfully poor. China was a monarchy just 120 years ago. The last monarch basically was was removed uh, in in 1911. China went through a warlord period, sort of like what goes on in Afghanistan, for 20 years. They didn't have any central government. Chiang Kai-shek was always a kind of a a phony baloney. Uh, moving his government around. And Mao Zedong and the communists, they took over in 1949. That's not even 70 years ago. This is a country, and Mao Zedong, when you read his his ideology, his main idea was self-reliance. We have to get the foreigners out. The foreigners have been abusing our country for 150 years. Which was accurate. The Germans, the Dutch... The Portuguese, the Americans, of course, a lot of the Americans that went to China were there to proselytize. Missionaries, yeah. The missionary. And, of course, the opium wars, that was about trade, believe it or not. So China has had this incredible metamorphosis over the last 70 years. Mao Zedong died in 76. He named Deng Xiaoping 
as his successor. He sort of took over in 79. And Deng Xiaoping was the one that slowly opened up China to uh, market concepts. They might have more capitalism now than we do. And Trump has this bizarre idea that trade is sort of this thing that, you know, the Queen of England and the King of Siam and me in the White House, we make trade deals. Where are the trade deals, Mr. Trump? There aren't any. Oh, fish. He hasn't made one trade deal yet. He extended some quotas with South Korea. Every time Steve Mnuchin appears in public, he is as confused as Daffy Duck. He doesn't know what's going on. He keeps talking about, well, you know, we're going to suspend the trade war now for a week while we talk about things. And every country keeps saying, these trade talks have broken down. We're at an impasse. Trump doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to listen to the Chamber of Commerce in the United States. He doesn't want to listen to the German automakers. The G20 had finance meetings over the weekend in Argentina. The entire world is actually at this point unified against Trump and his crazy talk about how we're going to win a trade war. It's crazy talk. And when the German auto companies, and, and, and by the way, Tesla announced this as well, he's moving production to China. They don't know what Trump's going to do next. Yeah, Harley's moving to Europe, too. So. Wackadoodle. Yeah. And, and, and Harley's jobs, by the way, would have been saved if, if Trump had agreed to the TPP. But no, Mitch McConnell, Mr. Obstructionist, wouldn't allow a congressional vote on TPP. Well, and that's really what the heart of this is, because everybody knows, everybody knew that Trump was crazy, unstable, reckless, unreliable, unqualified, incompetent, corrupt, etc. The list is long. But the absolute failure of the Republican Party to support nation over party, nation over president. Sure. Uh, ethics. You know, uh, their utter failure. Uh, I squarely put the blame on Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. Well, indeed. And, and you can see even McConnell and Ryan just this past week very unsure of their footing. You know, Bob Corker and some other Republicans came out to denounce this. Yeah, Corker's been talking but not voting or, or, or responding in other ways legislatively as not, somebody who's really opposed. Not assertive enough. 